0: You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under networks. For more on your pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. All right, what's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome to the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host and contributor to com, Preston Ellis. And you guys, we have a ton of stuff to talk about. We're going to go ahead and introduce our editor-in-chief to com first, Mr. Ali Cosell. Ali, how was that late-night podcast last night?
2: Too late. I mean, after getting up <laughs> at 6 in the morning, working all day, helping try and cover all this Pelicans stuff, because we had a bunch, Swin Cash getting hired, and Woe's releasing his report, then Shams following it up in the afternoon. It was a nonstop day, so I was so happy to get to bed, but it was well after 1 o'clock. <laughs>
0: And you buried the lead, uh, potentially a, a landscape-altering injury to Kevin Durant last night in Game 5 of the NBA Finals that the Warriors ended up prevailing by just one point. And we're going to get to this in a bit. How this is going to affect the market for Anthony Davis is something we're going to touch on and we're going to write at nauseum about. And first, in order to do that, uh, we have our bitter enemy from the Los Angeles Lakers <laughs> SB Nation Network,
3: Silver Screen and Rolls-Own, Harrison Fagan. What's up, dude? Uh, not much. I was going to say, like, so we plan- We started planning this out last week. It was really nice of the Lakers and Pelicans to just, like, acquiesce to the fact that we were doing a podcast and give us more to talk about, because before that, like, they, you know, like, they- there had been, like, it had been rumored that they were taking calls on Anthony Davis and whatever, but yesterday was definitely the loudest that's gotten since the trade deadline, probably.
0: Anthony Davis, Magic Johnson, and Danny Ainge are the gifts that just continuously keep on giving to the <laughs> Bird and Rice Network. There is an influx of information every single day of every single week. We've been outside of the regular season for, uh, what, like two months at this point? And our numbers are higher than they've ever been, Harrison. <laughs> There's not even any basketball being played. It's well, really, that's uh-
3: kind of... To me, that's the dirty secret of NBA blogging is that the off season is kind of really the on season for whatever reason, like, you know, that, that it seems to be what the majority of people are interested in is the player movement and the drama and whatever. And like, (laughs) you know, we obviously try to cover uh, like all sides of that. Like we try to cover the basketball stuff and have people come and talk about X's and O's and all of that stuff and do some thoughtful coverage. But at the same time, like, you know, you, you have to cover this other craziness because that's what there's a lot of people that want to hear about it.
0: Yeah, we're getting off topic, and I'll go ahead and swing over to Ollie in a second. But, Ollie, I think I must have written 50 to 60 game previews uh, last season. I think this upcoming season, rather than a game preview, we'll just have a, a game trade pre-column on who from the other uh, squad the Pelicans can possibly acquire in a deal leading up to the game. What do you think?
2: That sounds good to me because, I mean, let's face it, Harrison knows this. Previews, people don't really talk about anything in them, read them, etc. So it's just kind of that mandatory fluff that, is expected to be put up but yeah i'm with you i would love to see something replace them <laughs>
0: All right, let's go ahead and get rolling. Uh, I'll fire first, and then we'll swing over to Ali. Uh, basically, it's a two-on-one. It's a free-for-all. It's a WWE match. We're coming for you, Harrison. Let's go <laughs> ahead and start with the Woj report. Right now, it kind of it feels like David Griffin is feeding Woj, and the Lakers front office, and Rich Paul, some version of that, is, is feeding Shams, and all indications show that Anthony Davis is hell-bent on joining LeBron James in Los Angeles. It looks like he's exerting a power move right now to get himself there. Obviously, David Griffin is going to do what's best for him and the pelicans organization but how much power do you believe that both the lakers and anthony davis have in this negotiating process right now
3: that's an interesting question that's something that i've been trying to think about a lot um i think anthony davis i would say probably i feel like it's kind of limited at this point in the negotiations like until deals start to get brought like right now what can he really do right now before there's a deal in place or before there's stuff like that there's not a lot like if like let's just say hypothetically the Pelicans start talking with the Celtics about a package and they get pretty far down the road and Danny Ainge says well I want to talk to AD like that's when Anthony Davis I think starts to have power is because you know he can obviously get on the phone with Danny Ainge or meet with him in person and say I absolutely will not resign with you you know again just hypothetically like I will not resign with you there is zero chance if you trade for me I will leave like you know uh, like some guys have even like you know there there's rumors all the time of guys like they threaten surgeries and whatever I think there was a report that Kyrie did that when he was on the table uh, in Cleveland and so like that's when I think the players start to have leverage right now while the Pelicans are kind of canvassing the league and David Griffin is saying bring me your best offer I don't really think that Anthony Davis can do a whole lot right this second and so I don't think that he has a ton of power as for the Lakers I think Yeah, like, yes, they have power, I think, in the sense that I don't know, I'm interested to hear uh, the two of your thoughts on this. I think they have power in the sense that number one, they're the place that Anthony Davis wants to go. So he's not going to get on the phone with them and kind of torpedo a deal by saying no, I won't come here. Um, At least it doesn't appear that way right now. So they have power in that sense. And then they have that power in the sense of other teams may not give up as much because of that. And I also just, I, I might be a little bit biased because I watch the Lakers a lot more than I watch any other team. I feel like they have the best trade package out of the, uh, out of all the groups. Um And I'm, I'm actually curious to hear what your guys' thoughts on, on that are. Yeah, we're going to jump to that, but first
2: I want to follow up Harrison, to what you just said about, Anthony Davis' leverage right now, and I feel like you've got to look back in just recent history, right? You look at where Kyrie Irving wants to play, but where he ended up, Boston. Same thing with Jimmy Butler, um, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, you name it. All these players had supposedly wanted to go to certain destinations, but they wound up going somewhere else. And as to to, to today, they're still in other destinations. They're still with other teams. So I feel like that – Anthony Davis really has almost no leverage at this point. And after what we've seen in recent history, and now with the way, you know, th- this playoffs has unfolded with Kawhi Leonard on the doorstep of bringing Toronto, the Toronto Raptors, the championship, that it makes massage gamble look all that much wor- more worthwhile. So do you think that is going to really, really hurt the Lakers chances of getting Anthony Davis this season? And therefore do you feel like it's in your best senses of your organization to honestly, hopefully following plan b c and d because you know lebron james is not getting any younger uh we know what kind of discourse happened last year people are ready to start
3: seeing some wins and a playoff appearance out in los angeles so what's your take on all that side well, for for one thing, I on the A, B, C, and D part, they definitely need to have those plans this time because, you know, it's pretty clear that they thought that, I that for whatever reason, they thought they were getting Paul George last year, it seems like, just based on their actions. And when that didn't happen, I think they kind of just, they pivoted to the meme team. And, you know, obviously they have to have other plans in place because you can't have another year like last year. Like you talked about LeBron's prime is closing. Even outside of that, just I don't think that it's tenable for an organization to, for two straight years, just have every single person other than one player on the trade block. Like you have to get some guys that at least have reason to believe that they're there for the long haul and that they aren't going to be on the table. So I think, like, let's say Anthony Davis, you know, he gets traded to wherever I've heard like Denver is a possible dark horse. So he gets traded there, he gets traded to the Celtics, New York whatever the Lakers need to, you know, survey the trade market, look for other guys that they can use these assets to get maybe a Bradley Beal, someone like that. Um, and then they also need to just sign some players. So whether they get, whether that's superstars um, that are on the market this summer of which there are increasingly less um, or, you know whether that's just signing guys to long-term deals I do think that they need to just build a team of guys that know that they're going to be there and are willing to kind of go all out and um, like are not just constantly worried about their next contract because that did seem to be a problem last year Um, a- as far as the Anthony Davis like the recent you know success of teams keeping free agents or in Kawhi's case like maybe keeping free agents um, emboldening some teams I've always felt like that was kind of it's all from a certain point of view, right? Like you can look at it that way. And I don't—I have no doubt that David Griffin is kind of selling it that way and that these other teams can maybe talk themselves into that. And that's a way to try and get some leverage or maybe that's really something that other teams will talk themselves into. But I just feel like every player in every situation is so different. And that's such a small sample size to assume that because Paul George stayed and that Kawhi Leonard might stay, that Anthony Davis might stay somewhere else. Like they're all just different people. So I don't know. I feel like that's kind of, It's possible that it might embolden other teams, but I don't know. He does seem more determined to get to a specific place than we saw really any of these other guys.
1: I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on.
0: Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Harrison, the relationship between the the Pelicans and the Lakers since uh, I guess it was January 28th when Anthony Davis Dre to man uh, initially came out is is something that I I like to call a desperate partnership, to where both teams are kind of desperate to. Um, to, I don't know, be, uh, be partnered in, in brokering this deal, one in which the Lakers need to land a big fish. Uh, LeBron James has already been rumored by Bill, Bill Plaschke as to be holding a gun to the front office of the Los Angeles Lakers brass right now, uh, considering everything that's gone down and the lack of help that he desires to be brought in. Uh, that coincided with the, the Pelicans absolutely need a large haul for Anthony Davis. This is the first move of this new generation of front office types in Langdon and David Griffin. They absolutely need a home run and No one across the landscape of the NBA is more desperate for Anthony Davis than the Los Angeles Lakers. So the deal needs to, in fact, work between these two teams outside of a, a dark horse, like you said, like the Nuggets, just throwing everything they can. Marry that with the fact that you have to admit that right now Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram are a bit depreciated just in Ingram's injury Lonzo Ball's uh, unavailability he's only played I think 50 games in the past two years so those are kind of the lowest value those two players are ever going to be potentially is this summer right now so the Pelicans are in a good position in that spectrum. So just how desperate do you think the Lakers are to make this work? Do you think that they have a plan B that they can pivot to,
3: or do you think outside of Anthony Davis is just unmitigated disaster? unmitigated disaster, no. I do think that it would be, like, I'm of the mind that, you know, they should only go so far in the offers this time, especially because it doesn't appear, like, until it appears like New Orleans has another real suitor that's really really willing to put, like, a bunch of assets on the table that are actually appealing, then I'm not, like, they can't go full bore like they did at the trade deadline necessarily. Number one, because they just don't have as many players to throw at New Orleans as they did last year, um, because all of their, you know, outgoing free agents are obviously expired and can't be dealt now. I honestly feel like they're going to be a little bit less desperate as of right now than they were at the trade deadline because I feel my understanding is that Magic Johnson was driving a lot of those negotiations and that he was the one kind of calling up and making those offers and things like that. Um, and so, like, now that he's gone, I don't sense the same desperation from Rob Palinka and the rest of the remaining front office to get this deal done. And I think that that could change if. You know, obviously, if they completely strike out in free agency, you know, Kawhi stays where he is. uh, Everyone else stays where they are. They go somewhere else besides the Lakers. Then I feel like you might see a little bit more desperation because Anthony Davis becomes the only avenue to a superstar. But I think as long as they have max cap space to try and lure a free agent, I'm not again, I'm not saying that I think that they're even that likely to get one. I just feel like they are not going to be as desperate to get Davis until that avenue is gone. And then at Harrison, that point, you really do have to look at it. Harrison,
2: time. who's their second and third targets, would you say? Because let's say, okay, Anthony Davis, we want him, number one. Have you heard or what do you think should be like B and C, DeMarcus Cousins, Jimmy
3: Butler? What have you heard? Okay, so are we talking trades or free agents or? Anything, yeah. Anything? And trades, free agents, anything to fill up your roster. I haven't, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not like woge when it comes to the Lakers or anything like that. Like I'm, I, I haven't heard much. Um, I think that – just reading the marketplace and what you do here, I think Jimmy Butler is probably the most realistic of the free agents. Because I would have said Kemba until he was eligible for the supermax, and then mm-hmm. I think if Charlotte offers it, he's obviously going to take it. Um, I, I think, I, you know, obviously there's like there's a chance at Kawhi. I don't think that it's a good chance. I don't think that it's something that they should bank on, especially now. Like especially if the Raptors win the title, although. My thing with Kawhi is anyone who tells you they know what he's thinking is probably lying because I I just don't know. I think he's the hardest free agent to read that we've had in like a long time, maybe ever. So I I think, Kawhi is someone they like can and probably like will go after, but I don't know that they'll actually get him. I I would say Kevin Durant, especially in the wake of last night, is probably unrealistic. Um, And, you know, like a lot of these guys, I think just looking at all of the free agents, I think Jimmy Butler, given how things went in Philadelphia and that he never seemed like totally content there and does seem to want the full, you know, four to five year max that he can get from these teams and that the Lakers, you know, that his timeline would kind of align with LeBron to some degree. And that they're both around the same age. I do feel like he would be kind of the natural guy. Like, I don't think he's the best player on the market by any means, but I think he's kind of the natural free agent. Whether you get Davis or not, like, I think that's the guy that they should be going after in free agency. And then I think Beal's the one that everyone always points to on the trade market. But how realistic that is? Like, does Washington even have like a front office right now? We don't really know. (laughs) So, like, yeah, like that one may just be off the table because there's no one there to negotiate a trade. Yeah. Sorry, go
2: ahead, Ollie. No, yeah, I was just going to say I'm ready to put you on the spot, though, because a few minutes ago you said that you think the Lakers have the best trade offer for Anthony Davis. So let's hear it. Let's hear why you think that and why we should maybe look past Brandon Ingram's medical history, as well as, you know, Lonzo, who's his propensity for injury is high. Plus, he has mentioned, at least LeVar has, that he's not long for New Orleans. So. Why should New Orleans feel comfortable in trading for any kind of package from the Lakers and why you think it's the best?
3: Well, okay. I'll start with this. I think anyone should like be careful of like thinking that Lavar necessarily speaks for Lonzo. I think that it's been pretty clear over the last two years for like, if you're following closely that, you know, Lavar says things and I think he tries to look out for Lonzo's best interests, but he definitely doesn't like, this is not Lonzo speaking through his dad. This is not like a de facto PR person going out and necessarily saying every single thing that he wants him to say, or every single one of his thoughts. Lonzo is a pretty easygoing guy. And, you know, like, uh, let's say the Pelicans did acquire him. I I don't see him as a guy that like would be totally unhappy in New Orleans. He's kind of quiet. He keeps to himself. He's not like big for the club scene. Like, I don't think that he's like, even though he grew up in LA, he's not like a guy that has to be in an LA. I don't think. Um, Although, you know, maybe his camp feels differently with maybe their Facebook watch show goes down in value or whatever it may be. And he gets pressure there, but uh, I don't necessarily think that LeVar speaks for Lonzo in that sense. As far as the health stuff, Like, I don't, how much of that was the Lakers training staff and how much of that is Lonzo? Like, I don't know. And how much of that is just him being a young player that doesn't really know the right things to work on for their body? Like, we've seen young guys go through this that can't make it through the grind of an NBA season and then eventually figure out the type of work that they have to do to stay healthy and the type of PT stuff. And we've seen Lonzo working with a new physical therapist, like, as of actually, I think, yesterday or this morning, um, there were some videos out there of him doing some stuff. And I'm not saying that that should make you confident that he's going to stay healthy, but I think it is a good sign. And the fact that David Griffin hired the renowned Suns trainer, whose name I'm blanking on right now, to run the Pelicans training staff. Aaron uh, Nelson. Yeah, Aaron Nelson. So that is someone that you would think, if he was able to keep Steve Nash healthy, and then we saw what happened when Steve Nash came to the Lakers training staff, like, maybe that effect can work in the opposite direction, especially for a younger player. So, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to argue here that Lonzo and Ingram are at the top of their trade value. I agree with you in that their assets, they're depreciated as assets because, Bonzo has only played 99 games, like you said, and Ingram had the um, deep venous thrombosis. But my understanding of that surgery is that, like, because it was a rib causing the clot, and I would understand if other NBA teams act as if they don't believe this, and if you wouldn't want to necessarily stake your Anthony Davis trade on this. But my understanding is that that should clear it up and that he should be fine long-term. And I think that both of them have shown to varying degrees that they're really promising. I'm actually the most high on Lonzo, especially if he can stay healthy. He's actually the guy that I think the Lakers should be trying to keep if they can keep one of these young guys in a trade offer. Um, Ingram, I'm just not, certain about like long-term viability next to lebron even though they played well together towards the end of the season i just think that lonzo especially if you're going to have like let's just say hypothetically it's a team with davis and jimmy butler lonzo is the more helpful player there because he does more things aside from scoring
0: all right my turn um i want to go ahead and move on to the front office at this point as we near our 20 minute mark uh, obviously that that grandfather godfather offer you mentioned earlier of uh, Lonzo Ingram uh two first round picks and whatever else was included with it was something that uh, was a conversation that was had between Dell Demps and Magic Johnson since that point in time obviously magic has removed himself Rob Palinka we guess is um the ultimate decision maker. Of course, he's got Kurt Rambis to help him. Amongst uh, who other who others? Uh, Baxter Holmes has that excellent article on ESPN detailing just how many voices are uh, whispering in Jeannie Bus' ear at this time. Like so ninety. Yeah, so we don't really have a lot of experience in Rob Pelinka negotiations uh, as, I guess, the lord and commander of the Los Angeles Lakers front office. What kind of expectations do you have for him in this negotiating process, not just with the Pelicans, but uh, but across the league? How much confidence do you have in him?
3: I'm actually really interested to watch this because like you said, we haven't seen really a Rob Palenka driven negotiation from the executive side. We've seen him drive hard bargains for his clients as an agent. And we know that that has led to some bad blood around the league. Like that's been well reported. And, you know, I think like, I, my, my understanding is that Dell Demps wouldn't even talk to him at the trade deadline. And that's part of the reason that magic had to get involved. Um, And So as far as Rob Palenka goes, like, I'm just as interested to watch this as you guys and see what kind of offer he comes with, because I think we saw at the deadline, the first offer the Lakers made was kind of laughable. And like, I know that you always in a negotiation, you never start with the full amount of stuff that you're willing to give up, just like the Pelicans, you know are making their demands right now. David Griffin's making his demand of an all-star, an all-star young player, multiple first round pick, like whatever it was uh, exactly that came through Woj yesterday. And like, that's nice that he's asking for that. I'm just not sure that there's a team that can provide that. And so really, again, it's like, you always start lower or higher than you're ultimately willing to give up and you meet somewhere in the middle. And it will be interesting to see like Rob Palenka, I think his job at this, in this negotiation is just like don't insult them again and get negotiation started off in such an acrimonious way like they did last time where it was like I what did they offer the first time? I think it was like Lance and like like Josh Hart and someone I don't know. It was like it was, it was not yeah. was it Lonzo? I don't think even Lonzo was included. I'm
2: trying to find it actually as we speak, but it was a terrible low ball offer. Yeah,
3: it was like a total low ball, like an unrealistic low ball Mm -hmm. offer. Again, I understand not giving up the full war chest in your first offer, but it was like laughable and insulting. And so you you get negotiations started off. Not only does New Orleans feel like they're backed up against a wall, like Anthony Davis is trying to force his way out 10 days before the trade deadline, trying to force his way to LA. So they probably already don't want to deal with you. And then to come in and be like, well, we have you. So here, just take our our trash and give us your franchise player because you know he's coming anyway is not the way to approach this. I think <laughs> like Polinka needs to come in with a realistic offer and close to what they're fully willing to offer just to make it clear or maybe even go to David Griffin and say, look, what do you want? like out of our young guys or like what kind of multi-team deal allegedly do you want us to assemble what exactly are you looking for and kind of come at it from a more like how can we make this a win-win versus how can we gouge you and get what we want while giving you as little as possible because you can't run trade negotiations like that there's only 29 other teams in the NBA and like it's always interesting to listen to GMs and executives talk about this publicly like they can't you know as much as they want to make a good deal for your team you can't try and gouge someone or screw them over because then that person's not going to want to make a deal with you again you have to try and make it as fair of a deal as possible between both sides and you know uh, the Lakers did not necessarily try to do that at first at the trade deadline and then they tried to throw everything and it still got rejected because there was so much bad blood by that point and I think there were you know there were different negotiators and all of that stuff so I'm as interested as you are to see if they can kind of I, I think the the relationship between, between Griffin and clutch will make it I think easier for this to kind of happen a little bit more seamlessly where it felt like all these parties were trying to attack each other and point the finger and like force exactly what they wanted and I think that they're going to be a little bit more collaborative on that side which might allow for a little bit more collaborate uh, collaboration with the Lakers in this case
2: Harrison is there any chance since I want to jump to the draft since it's upcoming you guys obviously
3: have the fourth overall pick
2: do that um, because and- they aren't acting like it. They've only
3: worked out like one candidate for that, but we know. Of, so. <laughs> okay. That's
2: why I wanted to ask you because I've heard about Garland. So there's been really nobody else. It doesn't seem like they that- have not
3: publicly worked out Garland. So if they somehow managed to keep that under wraps and they did it, then that's great. That would go against all precedent. And, like, people are like, oh, this is like, there are a lot of Lakers fans that are upset with the media, because all they hear is negative stuff from the media. And it's like, well, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you should look at the organization that is doing these things. Because I would, I personally would love to write some positive things if they would give me positive things to write about. (laughs) But anyway, uh, I digress. And people are like, oh, this is good. They're locking the media out. And they're uh, keeping them out of the process. Like, well, they publicly worked out Jarrett Culver, uh, who is a candidate for the number four overall pick, at least in theory. And mm-hmm. like, so that would lead me to believe that if they had had Garland in, we would have heard about it. And so the only one that we've heard about is is uh, publicly from them is Culver. And then all the others are names that have leaked out and they're all either end of draft or undrafted free agency guys that they're looking at maybe for their G League team or summer league or whatever it may be. So they're not, perce- I wrote about this yesterday at Silver Screen and Roll. They are not proceeding right now like a team that has a number four overall pick which is like you can either say they already know who they want or you could say that they are assuming that they are not picking with that pick and so they aren't using their time on that they're using their time trying to get a deal done or whatever it may be so i don't know it's been interesting to watch this
0: all right, let's go ahead and wrap it up here. We're past the 20-minute mark. Uh, big thanks to Harrison Fagan, the editor-in-chief of Silver Screen and Roll. You can find him on Twitter, at Lakers SBN. You can fire him. Uh, follow him, at HM Fagan. Harrison, you also
3: run a podcast. Go ahead and give our listeners a rundown of where they can find you and your work. So you, you can find all of our work on silverscreenandroll.com, dot which is uh, that's the place where you know you can find everything. You can find links to our YouTube channel, which is just Silver Screen And Roll. We're doing some videos there, and we've really kicked it into gear this summer. We're doing um, you know we're doing our podcast, the Silver Screen And Roll podcast. You can just search Silver Screen And Roll on iTunes, Spotify, whatever podcast service that you use. We are on there, and then you can find it all on the site. We put the podcast up every day. We go we podcast well Monday, Wednesday, Friday right now. Once the draft kicks into gear we'll go back to daily and uh yeah and so that those are the majority of the places that you can find our work i'm really proud of the team that we've been able to put together i think that we are um the best mix of lakers coverage like really that there is right now and like i don't want to sound overconfident but i do i'm really really happy with the voices that we have and the level of coverage that we've been able to do so if you're a pelicans fan and you know you want to find out what is happening with this team that you were negotiating with i would uh, i would love it if you would come to silver screen and roll
2: Ollie, why don't we have a youtube channel
3: i don't know <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> we should get on that i'm gonna ask harrison all about it when i see him in las vegas <laughs> I'm just kidding. Who has time for a YouTube channel? Kudos to you guys. Uh this is our editor
0: in chief of the birdrides.com, Ali Cosell. Ali has been working really hard the past few weeks while I've been slacking. So big props to him. Ali, you had a couple of articles yesterday. You've got one going up today. Tell our listeners about what they can find.
2: Yeah, I want to delve a little bit more into the Kevin Durant uh injury and how it changes the landscape. I know I wanted to get to it with Harrison, but we'll save that for another time, but I want to touch on because it's definitely going to affect i feel like anthony davis and his his trade wherever he lands and his market
0: Oh, no, that's exactly what I'm writing for a 7 a.m. run tomorrow morning. But I guess everybody's been going to be covering it. Uh, Harrison, thanks so much again, man. Uh, Ali, thank you so much for your time. You guys, if you like what you're hearing, do us a favor. You know the drill. Rate, subscribe, uh, share, retweet, and go ahead and do Harrison a favor and do the same over at his podcast. Uh, Big thanks to him for helping us out. In the meantime, we've got a lot of news coming down the pipeline. Uh, According to several sources, this deal could be done by as soon as this weekend. So we're going to keep coming at you guys we have a big guest tomorrow we're gonna have nancy lieberman on with ali and i again so super excited about that one make sure you check back in of course we've got multiple podcasts from david grubb big thanks to him uh but for now you guys uh stay with us check out thebirdrights.com follow us on twitter and hey let's go pals Thank you for listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today.
1: The news on flavored e-cigs talks a lot about the technology and teen use. But parents need to know more about the dangers of nicotine. So know this. One, nicotine is a toxic poison that can rewire teens' brains. Two, it can increase mood swings. Three, it can limit attention and learning. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more.